This is Still Rowing, a High Five Live podcast, where members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints share their authentic stories of struggle and triumph on their journey of discipleship, and just why they are choosing faith in Jesus Christ and His restored church. Sarah Hines has collaborated with leading experts on near-death experiences and prenatal psychology while conducting extensive research and hundreds of interviews. She has presented workshops, seminars, and lectures at conferences and universities, as well as on Capitol Hill and at the United Nations. Sarah has been featured in articles and radio and TV shows in the U.S., Canada, and Japan. In addition to English, Her books are published in Spanish, Portuguese, and German. Her writings have been the source of healing and hope for individuals worldwide. Sarah and Brent Hines are the parents of nine children and 32 grandchildren so far. I am elated to have my guest, Sarah Hines, with us today. Welcome to the Still Rowing Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Stratford-Gale. Sarah, a big welcome and thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's my honor to be here. Sarah and I have actually been in contact since the summer and schedules happen. And, and, you know, she had the release of this amazing documentary this year. And I'm so grateful that she's fit me in and that we have found this time finally to have this beautiful discussion, because I think this discussion is something that in the church, especially of Jesus Christ, we don't talk about this topic very often, but it's a beautiful topic and it's an important one as we'll see and we'll, as, and I'm hoping that you'll hear, um, but I am very excited to discuss it about the evidences of pre-existence. And, and, and on that note, Sarah, what are the other works and things that you have done? Because I want our readers to kind of know some other things that you've written and accomplished so that they can check those out as well. Um, Because today we're focusing most of our conversation on the amazing documentary, Remembering Heaven. And, but there are other things that you've done. Writing for about 30 years, uh, articles, um, but uh, preliminary and in beginning my writing career, I started writing books. My first book, Uh, Life Before Life was published in the early 1990s. So, you know, I guess I'm not 21 years old anymore. (laughs) Um, I just kept writing because with each book, uh, more and more stories came in. And my third book, Coming from the Light, went to Simon Schuster, paperback, um, New York City, one of the one of the largest publishing houses in the world. So that opened me up to a great deal of television, radio. Uh, That book is now the announcing dream. We republished it once we received our rights back. So I have print right now. Uh, The announcing dream, dreams and visions of children waiting to be born. Uh, Then I have memories of heaven which is an incredible study of stories of people who remember some part of pre-existence. And that book, Memories of Heaven, was put together under the umbrella of a poem by Thomas the Apostle. A 
poem called Hymn of the Pearl, where he, in prison, he wrote a, a poem about pre-existence and about leaving pre-existence and the stages we go through and then returning to God. And so my book, Memories of Heaven, is divided into seven sections. And under each section, we umbrella part of this poem and then we have stories to go with that poem. So um, I have found that more and more uh, people are coming to me with memories of pre-existence. We just spoke at the International Association of Near-Death Studies, their world conference in Salt Lake City, uh, the first four days of September this year. And it's remarkable to hear right. these stories. So that's in Memories of Heaven. And then we have the castaways, new evidence supporting the rights of the unborn child. And this is a, a remarkable book. Again, it's, a, it's never, a, it's the first of kind of a pioneering study again on what happens to those who are aborted. Now, we, we have stories and you can read the stories, have a bit of a broader understanding of the trauma of, of the spirit um, that is rejected. There's trauma there and it manifests itself in different ways. Mm. And then the fourth book I have in print is my autobiography, which my daughter and I wrote. It's called The Memory Catcher, uh, which is a, a, little, a little term that I'm, I'm called once in a while. Um, <laughs> but it's the story of my life and the story of my longing as a child to find God and, and how God led me to the restored gospel. Um, and, and my planted in my heart, I believe, as a child was was a knowledge that I was a child of God. And that seed led me to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I have still not gotten over the joy of knowing I'm a child of God. Oh. <laughs> it is a thrill for me to know that. And, and that's kind of the, one of the purposes of the work is to testify of that through the stories, the research, uh, the scholars, um, and the data from the, the ancient texts, there's just so much to testify of pre-existence. Mm, right. Well, and I felt I got just a small snippet of that from Remembering Heaven and all these other works that you've done. That's exciting. It's exhilarating. And I love that you shared that you still have that joy. You haven't forgotten it. It hasn't left you. Mm. That's beautiful. No. No, in fact, I had a, a, a dream before I did the film. I wanted, to, I wanted to do something. I wanted to do a film that could help bring the concept of pre-existence out of obscurity. Mm. And, 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 and we have that. And um, now we have DVDs and we're going worldwide and soon we'll do streaming. So it's an exciting adventure to be able to teach this, this great truth, which yeah. the world does not know. 
I agree. What what we're talking about is doctrinal. It's church doctrine. Mm -hmm. Pre-existence is a part of our doctrine of the church of Jesus Christ. And I remember speaking with some friends who are not members of our faith and who actually didn't know anything about the church of Jesus Christ and who we are and what we believe. And I remember thinking to myself, well, gosh, where do I even begin to, to start sharing with them what we believe? And that's when I had to go back all these steps of like, well, this won't make sense unless this, and this won't make sense unless this. And it was like, none of this will make sense unless I start with the pre-existence, right? Mm-hmm. Unless we start yeah. with that very beginning detail that we lived before with heavenly father and Jesus Christ. And so this is important work to get out there to tell people, because just like you said, people don't know some of the world still, they don't know. And I, I want to start Sarah with your conversion story, because you have, I feel like when I, when I read the articles about you and I watched this documentary and I've just researched you had a light as a child and I feel like you have a mission here on earth. And I feel like your conversion story is like just the beginning of what that mission is. So I think it's a good place to start. Can you take us back and briefly share with us a little bit about your conversion story and your longing to find truth? Yes, I just shared it last night with friends who stopped by and we talked until the wee hours of the morning. (laughs) Uh, Well, from an early age, I was so eager to learn about God, and I just ached, I mean ached, for an understanding of Him. I I had a sense that I was a child of God. Uh, I really had a sense of that, but I missed Him. I longed for Him. And as I gotten older, I have I have given that uh, a, a name, and I think I was homesick for heaven. Oh, I love I and love that term. I remember reading that term, and I loved it. I think as a child I was, and and I talk about it in my in my autobiography because in, in quite detail I because I wanted I, I want parents to think maybe I might have a child that's homesick for heaven maybe have an, a young depression as a very young child. Um, and I would think that, you know, the, the music, the primary music, the, the scriptures, the, the stories, books of the gospel would feed their spirit and help them to be edified. Um, but, I, but I began my search and um, I was, my mother almost thought it was like, you know, a muck searching for something because I really was, um, I didn't understand my church. I knew that God was an individual. I knew that Jesus was a separate individual. So as a little child, I could not accept, you know, the discussion that they're all in one and live in our heart and fill the universe. I couldn't accept that. Mm. So anyhow, it's funny how God will plant things in our heart, little seed. And, and as a teenager, the Lord planted in my heart and prayed, you need to go to Utah. I thought, really? 
So my passion for Utah grew, grew and grew and grew. Well, one day my mother um, went to the laundromat or washing machine broke and, and we were in a small town in Eastern Tennessee. And um, there was a car parked there with Utah license plates. So my mother went in and there was a, an older couple there doing their laundry. And my mother um, always it was a spiritual woman and, and the spirit spoke to her and said, go speak to those people. And, and after the third time the spirit told her that, the spirit said, this is your last chance, go speak to them. And she did. She found out they were Mormon missionaries from Brigham City, Utah. And so she have to come to my house and meet my daughter. She wants to go to Utah. <laughs> so they came over that very afternoon and literally when they walked into our home, they brought the Holy Ghost in with them. It was a, it was a, it was a physical feeling. There was something special about them. Even my father felt it. And that was our first meeting with Mormon missionaries. And they became our friends. Their mission was not to proselyte. It was really interesting. It was to build up the church there. Mm. And so we became friends and we talked about many things. And um, I, I just... I just loved them. They were so kind to me. So when they finished their mission, they said, yeah, come see us in Utah. We have a room for you. We'd love to have you. So I took a flight to Salt Lake City, came into the beautiful realm of, of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. of Latter-day Saints, who for me stood out as very unique and different in a beautiful and wonderful way. Um, we went to the visitor center in Salt Lake before we drove up to Brigham City. And I remember there was a large poster there that said something about the true church. And I said to Sister Battle, well, I'm looking for the true church. <laughs> and, Honey, how, how convenient. Can... <laughs> <laughs> this is good. <laughs> so, three months I was baptized and um, rejoiced, rejoiced, and I continue to rejoice and marvel that the Lord answered my prayers. And I'm so thankful I had the courage to join the church and not be afraid and, and just take that step that the Lord had brought me all the way to Utah. And, and he was starting to unfold a plan, his plan, for my life, which I believe God has a plan for every single person. And if we will listen to the still small voice, he will take us on that plan. And so married my husband. The first time I saw him and the spirit said, there goes the manual, someday marry. <laughs> That's awesome. That Holy Ghost has been a, a joy for me mm -hmm. throughout my life. And I have to think that this innate desire to know truth and you just knew, you said you just knew that God was a being, he wasn't a seed or like this, yeah. this feeling in our heart, like you knew. And that I, it sounds like that's what gave you the courage to move to Utah 
and to say, wait, the church, the true church, like I'm looking for that. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. How old were you at the time again? Remind me. Yeah, I was 19 when I got on the plane and flew to Salt Lake City, uh, joined the church right before I turned 20. Wow. And I tell you, my whole life changed. My countenance changed. Um, You can see pictures of me before I was baptized and after, you know, that gift of the Holy Ghost brings light to us. It brings beauty. (laughs) It's and like... Mm -hmm. I believe it was John Taylor talked about the Holy Ghost in such beautiful detail. What an incredible gift as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm, And there's people out there who are searching for it, you know. Um, We meet some of them as we're sharing the books, when we do lectures. Now with the film, um, I, I sent the film, the DVD, to a dear friend. We met at the London Temple who lives in Ser- Serbia. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, we prepared the DVD to play in all countries. So we hear, and, and we're hearing back that Australia and England and, and Serbia and a few of these other um, countries in Europe can play it on their DVD players. But she's taking it around to all of her neighbors and playing it and and after you watch remembering heaven and you want to know more about pre-existence well we have more to teach you which is through the you know the teachings of the restored gospel so sarah then take us it's it's a beautiful segue to talk about your conversion and how it leads to kind of you said your purpose one of your purposes in life that you have felt is to share this knowledge with so many people and and so talk about how this led you to do the project remembering heaven and tell us a little bit about what remembering heaven is yes as a young mother as after i married and began having my children i would have these unique experiences with them as i say in the film and uh, i would have these announcing dreams about them and and so it it made me want to search and see if others had had these kinds of experiences, mothers and fathers, grandparents as well. And so I, I was compelled to search out and try to find these stories. I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be like Jonah and jump overboard and not do it. (laughs) I I wrestled with the spirit uh, for about six months telling the Lord, uh, you know, I don't really want to do that. It seems, you know, I don't know. And, but the spirit kept convincing me. And so I agreed and, and began to search out stories and um, they started to come in um, remarkably people uh, I believe were prompted by the spirit to bring me stories. Um, and, and many of them, I was able to post it and I mailed out a lot of, of uh, inquiries, various newspapers and magazines and that. So once the stories began to come in, then I had my first book, first book started giving me more stories. 
So it really began to grow. And every time I spoke anywhere, people would come up with stories wow. to give me. And so I thought, well, I knew that this was, I had known very clearly that this was a mission that I had. It was a life mission to collect these accounts. And these are, these are actually personal testimonies, if you will, of pre-existence. Because, yeah. Yeah. you know, I think that's why the stories and even the film carries a very special spirit with it because the Holy Ghost is, is testifying truth. Uh, we have many people very emotional after they see the film. I, I had known through some experiences I'd had that, that there would be films, and I say plural. <laughs> I know that there would be films uh, through a very special um, blessing I had. And um, starting in about, I, I tried many times to, um, you know, to get a film created and it just, it just didn't work uh, for various reasons. And my husband and I served a, a mission in the London England Temple. Uh, we served two six month missions and finishing up that last six month mission, I read about a meeting. There's a organization, the LDS PMA, Latter-day Saints Publishers Media Association out of uh, BYU and Provo. And I was very prompted I needed to go. Mm. So we flew home. I put down my suitcase. I packed a little suitcase. <laughs> and I flew, like, two days later, I flew to Provo by myself. Oh, remarkable. Um, you have a theme in your life. I love this. You just did it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I have learned if I don't follow the spirit, uh, I'm very disappointed because an opportunity was lost. Oh, right. I, I've right. learned that. And so I really want to, I want to be obedient to that guidance because it is a, it is a sure witness uh, to follow that light of your own personal path. On that trip and in that meeting that I met my filmmaker, Tom. Wow. And, um, and we worked together and developed Remembering Heaven. Um, we, we entered our, you know, we started entering film festivals. We entered the LDS Film Festival. And oh, how I love those LDS filmmakers. Man, what choice people they are. So... We entered that and we were, we were in attendance. We thought we would maybe hide out in the bathroom when, when they were uh, playing it <laughs> in the room. Oh, so but vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. But courage, you know, we were very, I was very vulnerable there and it's not easy. Um, but anyhow, we went in the room and, and they aired it and received a standing ovation and just were surrounded with people with stories. Wow. Sadly, I didn't get all of them because, you know, I needed like three scribes by oh, my side. Right. But then the 
then the following evening on the awards, um, we received, you know, best documentary and wow. uh, in the documentary section, um, audience choice award. Yeah. And never, you know, just could never have been any more surprised. And, and so the awards kept coming. Well, I'm not um, surprised, Sarah. I saw it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I saw it. It's very moving. It's beautiful. But anyway, continue. I just want our listeners to know I wasn't, I'm not surprised to hear that. <laughs> well, I think you're surprised when you create something that's, you know, unique and perhaps different. You're, you're surprised that people will relate to it and, and, you know, understand it. And, and it was a surprise and it was a, a joyful surprise, but we, we've won many awards and we're nominated at the International Christian Film Festival. We went to that in Orlando and, and, and all those wonderful people there um, were very touched by it. They, you know, if we could understand that the world does not know they are a child of God. Yeah. They, they are hurting, they are aching. Yeah. I mean, there are people just like me, just like I was who who are aching for that kind of knowledge and that kind of special relationship with their Heavenly Father. And uh, it was a joy to be there. We were nominated for Most Inspirational Memory. Uh, it was an honor to be nominated, as they say. Um, we didn't win. But recently, the State of Israel invited us to uh, submit Remembering Heaven to their film festival which is called spirit wow and it's a film festival that highlights uh, the spirit of man to inspire and uplift wow and, and so they invited us to enter that and, and we've submitted it so it's just been the most wonderful beautiful journey it really has and i'm just sitting here thinking sarah like to people who grew up in the church, who know this doctrine from birth, I'm, I'm one of those people. This, this seems like such basic information. Yeah, I'm a daughter of God. I know because I've sung, I'm a child of God since I can remember. I sing it to my two-year-old daughter. But I feel yeah, like, the yeah, I feel like the response that you're receiving is that this resonates with people because it's truth, because it's doctrine. And when you're sharing with these other faiths and people who are not members, it must resonate with them because it is truth. That is just the facts, right? And I, it's just beautiful yeah. to see these other cultures and nations and people loving this yeah. truth and, and receiving it maybe for the first time. And of course, it's well-received. I love that. And yeah, it's a, th it's a thrill. Um, that, that the film and the knowledge that we're a child of God also makes life more sacred. Yeah. It, it touches a very special place in someone's heart. Um, and so we are able to teach the sacredness of life, you know, in a spiritual way. Yes. Not in a loud way or in an argumentative way, but in a way that will touch hearts. I know one of my first big talks I gave when 
I went with Simon & Schuster in New York was to speak in New York City at a, a very large conference. And there was a best-selling author. Uh, I actually think it was, it was um, could have been Dr. Kenneth Ring, who could not make it to that conference. And so Simon Schuster, you know, plugged me in. Um, and I said, well, it'll be an hour and a half talk. And uh, I took my husband with me because I said, I will probably die at the podium. <laughs> but never mind if I die, it doesn't matter. Just roll me in a corner and then you go up and finish the talk and it'll just be fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're so sweet. I love <laughs> Because, uh, but anyhow, I did give my husband, you know, a portion of, of the of the speech to give, you know, in case something happens. I didn't die. This was New York City, and um, we received a standing ovation. We sold out all the books, and people were were had tears in their eyes. Wow! And I had a beautiful lady come up to me when I was selling, you know, autographing books and selling, and you know beautiful woman in a beautiful suit and young woman and she said to me i've had five abortions i oh. i think that was wrong oh and i said yes and she's like what can i do and see i had to move people through in 30 seconds and yeah. i said jesus will help you he will forgive you jesus will help you yeah yeah. And she said, okay, and then she was gone. And I think about her so often. And that's one of the one of the beautiful, you know, Jesus said when he was asked, uh, how do you judge? Jesus said, you judge by their fruits. By you you judge people by their fruits. What what do they produce? And so the books and the film, we know the books. Um have saved so many children from uh, mm. termination. We know because we've heard so many stories. And one of the driving points that I have to continue is occasionally when I'm giving a talk at a conference, somebody will come up to me with a baby in their arms or holding the hand of a little child. And they'll say, uh, Sarah, I, I was going to, um, have an abortion but I read your book and and look at her isn't she magnificent wow that's wonderful and it's so beautiful there's that child as well as adults I, I mean when I spoke in New York City um I met a young man by the name of Joe and Joe said to me I, I have a terminal illness I'm dying can I have your phone number and can we talk from time to time and I said sure so Every, you know, from time to time, Joe would give me a call and we would talk and he would always, he would say hello. And I recognize that beautiful New York accent. <laughs> and he said, Sarah, am I really a child of God? Am I really? Tell me more about it. Occasionally I would call him, you know, check on him. And uh, he would, he would always call me back. But one day. I had my, you know, there was the final phone call. I didn't know it would be that, but so I hope Joe now knows for sure yeah. that he is a child of God. He has passed on and 
is in that glorious realm of love and light with our Savior now. Yeah. Well, and I love that because these stories and these people and your and your work that you're doing is pointing people to Jesus Christ ultimately and yes. and, and our need yes. for a savior. And you know, even the response to persons who who have had an abortion or who, or who thought that they might get an abortion before they had a spiritual experience. I love that the answer is Jesus Christ. There are so many complexities to why people might get an abortion and we can't possibly understand. We can't possibly understand it, but, but your work is pointing to that each of these individuals is a son or daughter of God. And Jesus Christ is the answer to help and to save and to heal. And I, and I think that's so beautiful. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, when I wrote The Castaways, um, I had quite a specific understanding of the mission of that book. And one of, the, for, the, one of the, the foremost mission was to help men and women heal mm. who had had an abortion. Oh, beautiful. As well as to hopefully you know, have them not go through with it or, or plant that a young person's mind early on. A lot of people have their children read The Castaways. It's, it's, it's a beautiful book. It's not a shocking book in any way. But um, we're trying to teach, you know, these principles um, to people to understand, you know, yes. why life, life is sacred. Life is really sacred. Yeah. Because we we're children of God. Yes. Well, this yeah. this just I'm getting excited because this reminds me of 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 a part in the documentary, and I don't remember the gentleman's name, but you can you can tell me who it is <laughs> because mm-hmm. you probably remember. But he talks about how early Christian councils that the idea of premortal premortal existence was condemned, and the texts yeah. about it were gone. And he said, you know, why condemn it? why would you condemn something like that? And he says, because he said, one of the, his ideas was that it's because of the inferiority that it disavows on this, on this earth life, right? If you know that you and every single person here is a son or daughter of, of heavenly father and lived with heavenly father before, then it completely gets rid of this idea that of, of slavery and that people are beneath you and inferior to you. And, and, oh man, how did he say it? He just says, it's not in the interest of the ruling class to say everyone is a child of God. Divinity is in them. Right. And so it's, it's, it's like, I love what you said. It just, everyone is sacred. Everyone is here and everyone comes from this divine being and we are divine. And I love that you're directing people to healing too, that can come from that because of our brother, Jesus Christ too. So that, that part in your documentary really resonated with me because I think if we all truly understood this concept, this doctrinal concept, how we would treat each other is different, right? It would have to be, it just would need to be. And maybe we need to do a better job at remembering that day to day as well, right? Not just... Yeah. Not just for a ruling class, but even just how we treat each other. This person is divine. They're a son or daughter of God. Yeah, and you you restated it very beautifully. Dan Peterson and Terrell Givens, we were blessed with these top scholars in the world. Mm. 
miraculously agreed to be in our film. And I, I pay honor to them uh, because they, they teach this in universities and in, in forums around the world. Yes. And, and so here they are giving you a very detailed background of the history of the cultural evidence and so many evidence of the ancient texts, um, you know, of the concept of pre-existence, that literal word. Joseph Smith, when he taught pre-existence, used the word pre-existence. Well, did he know it was in the ancient texts? I don't know. I don't know if they'd been translated then. I don't know if he had, but he uses that word, and Lorenzo Snow used that word, and uh, it's an ancient Jewish, you know, it's in the ancient Jewish text, pre-existence. So I had a chance years ago to speak in a synagogue. Wow. <laughs> I loved it. Just teaching, to teach from the ancient Jewish text, you know, in a synagogue, you know, it was not a problem. Um, and I was able to teach them about a term they had probably missed, you know, in the Torah, perhaps. But right. anyhow, it's uh, it's been a beautiful minute. And one uh, that has surprised uh, a little girl who grew up in Tennessee, who, <laughs> who, you know, like I told you earlier, I am, I, 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 I am not. Uh, you know, I am a weak thing of the earth, uh, and and God you know, uses me um, in spite of my weaknesses, um, and that's what he wants to do with all of us. He will use us um, in ways that we will be surprised, um, yeah. very surprised. And then you, you reminded me of that beautiful quote from C.S. Lewis, where he says, people we're mingling with every day, um, we have no idea who they are. They are the children of God. Yeah. They are majestic creatures. So it does help to keep focused, you know, on those principles for sure. Yeah, absolutely. In one of your articles, you you quote President Russell M. Nelson and, and you say, and I, and I wanted to talk about that if that's okay. And cause I think it's just right in line. And um, you quote him and say that he's taught us well to seek to know who we are. He said, quote, great power lies in learning who you really are. Please take time to think prayerfully about these facts. You are an elect son or daughter of God. You were created in his image. You were taught in this spirit world to prepare for anything and everything you would encounter during this latter part of these latter days. That teaching endures with you. Learn for yourselves who you really are. Ask your heavenly father in the name of Jesus Christ, how he feels about you and your mission here on earth. If you ask with real intent, over time, the spirit will whisper the life-changing truth to you. Record those impressions and review them often and follow through with exactness. I know that yes, was long. It, yeah, I'll oh, go ahead. It, well, no, is that an incredible promise from oh a prophet of God? Yes. It's true. It's true. I testify that that we can pray um, and listen and, and study and, um, you know, have a journal 
nearby, um, and 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 when the the right time is for you, God will speak to you and and give you these little um, oh, downpouring. It's almost like a little a computer is downloading something to you, but He will give you glimpses of who are. Yeah, that's a promise from a prophet of God and. And sometimes when people, especially will read uh, the book Memories of Heaven, because their mind, they're reading some of these testimonies, sometimes it, it actually has, has kind of given people a, their own, you know, understanding of, of some part of their pre-mortal life. Wow. Um, but we are commanded because when you know who you are, when you know where you come from, it changes everything you do here on the earth. It will it will change you. And yeah. that's something we need to have that hope with us at this time of the earth. And in that in that quote he also gives various details, doesn't he, about some of the things immortally um you know, we were in school, we were, yeah. we were studying and preparing for our own unique mission. Yep. We were studying that and preparing for eons of time. So now we're here and, and, and God needs, needs our hands and, yeah. and uh, needs our voice and, and he needs our smile and <laughs> voice of uplift to, you know, someone in the grocery store, I mean, you know, these kind of things don't have to be really hard, but it's just a desire to share that light and love with others. Yeah. That is so meaningful at this time in the earth. Right. Yeah. You don't have to create a documentary, everyone. You don't have to no. start a podcast. <laughs> no, you don't have to. No. You don't have to. But there are things, there are things that you can do. And I'm reminded of the scripture about the Holy Ghost. He shall bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And I have known, and I testify that in my life, sometimes that has meant things that I knew before I came to this earth. Yes. And so sometimes when the spirit has spoken to me and testified of things to me, it was just simply, you already know, <laughs> you already know the yeah. answer to that. And I, and I know now that that is a callback to the pre-existence. I already know this information. <laughs> yes. I remember once when I was going through one of my greatest trials and um, I was I was walking um, and I, I remembered that pre-mortally I agreed to have that trial. Hmm. I had, I had volunteered for it I, because of what it would teach me. Wow. And it was a trial that lasted for many years. And, um, and the things I learned from that trial, um, you know, have given me, I would say, some additional wisdom um, because of what I, what I went through. So I, I think that it's very possible that many of our trials we volunteered for. Um, and one of my dear friends who passed away about a year ago, Elaine Durham, 
Uh, many people would have known her, I think, and loved her. She wrote a book called I Stand All Amazed, beautiful book about her conversion to the church that happened after a quite an amazing near-death experience where she saw part of the Book of Mormon unfolding in her near-death experience. Mm. Um, and then she did find, you know, the, the missionaries after that years later. But she remembered quite vividly that pre-mortally she volunteered for many trials. And uh, she did have many, so many. It, all, it didn't seem fair, you know? Right. But she would say, well, I, I wanted to learn. I wanted to gain the knowledge that, uh, that these trials gave me. Wow. And now I'm, I'm happy to know that she's, you know, she's, she's in her heavenly home and, and all is well and all is well with her now. Well, that's powerful. And, and that goes back to President Nelson's quote, pray if you ask with real intent, the spirit will whisper yeah. the life changing truth to you. Absolutely. And that's powerful. Yeah, Sarah, it's very powerful. Yeah. And I, you know, something interesting about this topic, when you start to speak about the pre-mortal life, I mean, and you, we could also say near-death experiences, but even if we just simplify this to just the evidence of that we lived with heavenly father and Jesus Christ before that mm -hmm. there is, you know, a pre-earthly life that we had. It's yeah. kind of, I feel like it's a little bit of a taboo topic in church mm -hmm. discussions. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you have what your thoughts are about that. I mean, my, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll share my first thought and then I would love to hear what you think. I sure. think this is a beautiful thing to share. I do know that sometimes these experiences are so sacred that they're not meant to be shared. They, they are meant to be right. for you and for your family. And I know that I've spoken with my in-laws and we've had these sacred experiences of, of knowing. And we just knew that we know that there is life before because of the experiences that we've had. And so I'm wondering, is it because some of these are, are sacred and that's why we don't talk about it as much. Why else do you think that we don't talk about it? Because again, I think it is important and, and the experiences that you've had in sharing this documentary and your testimony with so many others, specifically on the pre-mortal life are significant. And like you said, they're needed. So why do you think it's taboo? And what's your invitation to us as we move forward? Well, that is a very good question. And I, 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 there are many things that I do not share. That is very correct. I agree with that. It seems to be up to the individual. I, I, I've had stories come in that I don't publish because I think they're too sacred. Wow. So wow. I do pray about that and honor that because my job is not to be sensational mm. um, you know, and cause a ruckus. My job is to plant seeds of testimony. Um, and some of the testimonies that I have in books are, I would say, simple. Uh, I mean, I love the, the stories from the children. 
we have many stories from children who yeah. remember from existence. And um, one of my friends, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, a lot of people are aware of who she was, the great. Um, yes, of course. Told me that children up until the age of five uh, often um, the veil is is not does not close for them and uh, i found that true in so many of our grandchildren Um, it's why i encourage people please talk to your little ones show them pictures of jesus teach them because they may share something really special with you too um so i uh, i know i'm i I understand it's a very unique mission to collect these stories. Yeah. And I just know that I need to do. And um, I try to walk the line uh, in a very respectful way. And um, I've been delighted when their stories, when general authorities share pre-birth experiences. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there are, there's plenty of those, yeah. Yeah, there's several. Neil Anderson, in his article and conference, I think it was 2012, it was called Children, had several pre-birth experiences in there that he shared, that he had heard about. We were asked to speak at the London Visitor Center, and then at High Park, I shared the story of uh, Elder Neil Maxwell, where it's a story of a family from, uh, I think, Gilbert, Arizona, but they had adopted, they had a couple of little kids, and then they adopted a little girl from the former Soviet Union, and this little girl, she came down to her parents one day, and she said, Mommy, uh, I have another sister, but she, she's, you know, she has dark hair like me and, and brown eyes, and, and she lives far away, and um, she needs to come to our family. Wow. And the mother said, who told you that? Jesus told me upstairs. And she said, honey, um, we don't have an upstairs. And then he goes on in his beautiful way of writing. But the family, being prompted by the little girl, proceeded to seek for another little girl. And, and, and she arrived now family, and the family now believes they are complete. Wow, yes. So that is a category of so many of these stories that we have from children. And, and, and they're in the books, and um, whenever I get a story from a child or a parent, I'm just like, oh, I just, may I publish it? And I'm like, sure. So, because, I mean, how can you doubt a little one's um, experience that they have and how precious to hear it as a grandmother that I've had a chance to do that. Yeah. When I read the Maxwell one, I was like, he, this, these children just speak with such conviction. Yeah. There's no doubting. And I think when we, t- when we hear the apostles and prophets talk about becoming as a little child, it's like, they just know there's no uncertainty, right? They just are so positive. Right. And that's, that's what's so beautiful about these child stories that you've collected is that they are certain. It's like Dan Peterson said in the film, 
these experiences are happening to people in a wide variety of circles, in a wide variety of churches, and, and people say, well, well, they shouldn't happen, or, but they happen, they happen anyway, is what he says. Right, right. And, and that's why I love the International Association of Near Death Studies, because it's a forum where people can speak. And, you know, there's a time and place to speak. I understand that. They're made up of, of doctors and professors and experiencers and, and researchers like myself. And, and, and people can go and speak to others about what happened to them. Wow. Because people do need to have someone they can talk to who's experienced these things and they can share. And because people are often traumatized or overwhelmed, perhaps is a good word. For me, it's kind of interesting because I think what you've shared is that there are purposes to sharing this knowledge and these stories if it's not something that's too sacred to you. Yes. If you share it, one, it can help others who have had a similar experience process it and understand it. Because like you just said, it can be overwhelming at first yeah. to not understand it. If you if you don't have the knowledge of the restored gospel and and you experience something like this, it's hard to place it somewhere, right? Oh, absolutely. More and more people understand that these things, and they understand hospitals, they will tell people about, you know, the INS organization, and, and volunteers will come and, and work with them if they need to talk. Oh, wow. Um, but like I said, judge we judge by the fruits and what are the fruits the fruits of this work and i, I try to be very careful in, in the work the fruits of this work have from what i can see have generally brought good brought worth brought hope healing and even you know save lives we have a friend who's a counselor that uses our books and her counseling um, and she says, it's amazing, so many of the young people I work with who are uh, bulimic or have these eating disorders, uh, I'll say, well, you need to read this book and then come back next week. And they say, um, I, need to, uh, I need to get well so that I can protect my children before I get married and have them. I need to get well mm. because I see that I am, I am damaging my body and that could damage my future children. Wow. We've had stories where people were suicidal, read the books, they send us an email. And so this is, this is why I continue. I, I know that I, I could easily be misunderstood, um, but I, I seek to try my best uh, yeah. To to honor my heavenly Father. Yeah. Well, Sarah, you said it beautifully. You said you're not trying to be sensational. You are trying to plant seeds. Yeah. And I thought that was. I mean, I haven't forgotten it because I thought it was so well said and so beautiful. And you're helping others piece this together and understand what's what's happening. What are they experiencing? And 
And if, and if maybe you're someone who has experienced something like this and you don't feel it's the right thing to share it, what can you do? You can testify of Jesus Christ. You can have yeah. that testimony in you and let it lead you and guide you to just share that the gospel is true because you know, and you don't have to share the specific detail, but you can share a simple and pure and strong testimony of Jesus Christ without sharing all of those details. And I, I think I would also just invite our listeners then specifically share the knowledge that you have, that we are each sons and daughters of, of heavenly father, that knowledge might be commonplace to you and to me, but it might not be to them and it might be life-changing. And just like Sarah has talked about, it could be healing and it could save a life. It could, it could do a whole, a whole wonder of things. So we invite you to share that beautiful knowledge with so many people. Sarah, this has been a treat and I've loved our topic. It's something that is, it's just fairly new to me, even though it's been so a part of my life, it's just not something I've spoken about often. And my last question that Mm -hmm. we get to ask all of our guests is, why are you still rowing and choosing faith in Jesus Christ and his restored church? Hmm. Well, you have to go back to our very first topic of when I received the Holy Ghost. I, um, I, want, I want to have that gift with me uh, throughout my life. I do not want to do anything to... You know, I, I told my husband last night, I, I do repent fast. <laughs> I like to repent fast most of the time <laughs> because I, I want that beautiful gift of the Holy Ghost with me. It's having lived without it for 19 years, you know, and then have it. It's, it's really remarkable to be a convert in the dark and then come into the light. Yeah. Would I ever want to go back to the dark? <laughs> no. No. No, thank you. I want to stay in the light. I want to always have a temple recommend because I love the house of the Lord. I know it is it is the house of the Lord. I've been a temple worker. I've walked those halls in London and Mesa, Arizona. I love the holy temple. So I will stay and hold on to the iron rod. The good Lord bless me and give me the power and the strength, you know, through good times and bad, I I pray for that strength. And as our prophet said, just in conference, the greatest place to get that power is in in the Holy Temple. Remember he said that. Mm -hmm. So it, to increase our attendance and, and, and make sure we have that, that power it's just an amazing thing that the power through our covenants that that the Lord gives us. I mean, we can't look under a microscope and examine it. Um, you know, we can't draw it. <laughs> but all of us know that when we are weak and when we are sad or in sorrow or whatever, that God will strengthen us. And I always want to be able to receive that beautiful spirit and that beautiful 
blessings from my heavenly father. Thank you, Sarah. That's beautiful. Your work is remarkable. Thank you for sharing it with me and so many others. And to our listeners, I hope that you've been uplifted and feel a new resolve to share this simple truth with so many others around you. It could change their lives for the positive. Thank you. And my website is sarahhines.com. If you want to order a DVD, it's rememberingheaven.com. You can order them there or on my website, sarahhines.com. So we have DVDs and we ship them anywhere um, in the world, basically. You won't regret it. It's a pretty good deal. It makes a great gift. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's wonderful. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you, our listeners, for being with us today. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Still Rowing, a High Five Live podcast. For updates on episode releases and additional motivation and resources, you can find us on Facebook at High Five Live. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, please give us a positive review on your podcast app and like us on the High Five Live Facebook page to help us spread the word. Thanks for listening.